0: The Lord has placed a message in my heart for you today. Let's ask that we would receive it. Father, we ask you by your Holy Spirit to open our eyes, our ears, our understanding to the greatest revelation of your majesty and glory, the cross of Christ. Lord, minister that to us today. Let it profoundly change our lives even this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share with you this message about the cross of Christ and um, the wonder and majesty of this cross. And I'd like to take you to Philippians chapter 3, reading verses 7 and 8. What I want you to consider and understand about the Apostle Paul is he had one message, one solution for the world, one remedy for all of its ills, one weapon against the satanic forces one promise for the hope of all eternity it's the cross of Jesus Christ it's the cross alone there's no other message it's the message that we must speak in this day and in this hour and I want you to hear what Paul says in Philippians 3 verses 7 and 8 he says this but whatever gain I had I counted as loss for the sake of Christ indeed I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. When you look at the contrast of what he's saying, this scholar, this rabbi, this Jew among Jews, he's willing to call all of his efforts As a young man, a waste of time. All of his theological understanding, studying under Gamaliel and the highest rabbis of the time, his stature among other rabbis, and to be on the Sanhedrin, to be so profoundly zealous for Judaism that he would persecute those who would call themselves Jews but follow some Messiah. Meeting this Christ, he recognizes that everything else is rubbish. He said, whatever I have gained, I now count as loss. In other words, I wasted my time. I wonder how many of us really consider what we've done with ourselves in our lives. Sometimes we mourn over that. We wasted our lives. I thank God we have a creative God. He'll weave together the mess we have lived, and He'll use it for something. Isn't that good? Our God's a garbage picker. But oh, what he can do, amen? amen, amen. He says, "But whatever gain I had, I counted it loss." He said, "I count everything as loss. I count it." Now, get this: I counted it loss because of the surpassing worth. And he's contrasting here. Now, there are things that look beautiful. Gold is something, huh? Some of you got some pretty jewelry on. Woo. You got some nice stuff expensive very expensive stuff but when you come on let's compare and contrast now compare it to your neighbor's jewelry and you're going like mm-hmm pretty good mm-hmm. but compare it to the value of Christ and everything that is of any value to us in comparison to Christ is rubbish can't even compare He said, I've even suffered loss. So what he's saying is, even things near and dear to me. It created suffering. I've given up my independence. I've given up my freedoms. I've given up my 401K. I've given up my uh, stature as a leading rabbi. I have become a mockery. I have become like a lamb led to a slaughter. He said, I've suffered. But it's not suffering compared to knowing Jesus Christ what aspect of knowing Jesus? What aspect? He goes on in 1 Corinthians two two, And he says, For I've decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He says, Compared to the crucifixion, I don't need to know anything else. It's all rubbish. This guy's got a pedigree. This guy's got many degrees. He's got values that... To him mean nothing. He calls it rubbish. In the Greek, a better rendering, your King James tells you it is dung, animal feces. Mm. In comparison, in comparison, come on, I don't care what title you ascend to on this human plane, you might be president, you might be czar, you might be something, but you know it's nothing if you don't have Christ. And then to the Corinthian church, in that letter, he is responding to questions, okay? When you read 1 Corinthians, you'll see that he is orderly, systematically answering to what must have been a list of questions. We've got problem when we have the Lord's Supper, and we've got this problem. We have a problem where there's a man sleeping with his stepmother. We've got problems where there's people talking out of order in tongues and, and all these different gifts and all this. So he's answering each one of them, but he just starts out the whole thing saying this, I don't want to know any of this stuff, because there's one remedy for all of it, and the one remedy is Christ and his cross. I don't want to know nothing else about you except Christ and his cross. Amen? Now, this is, this is an important verse, especially to many Catholics. Catholics love this verse. We criticize Catholics many times as Protestants. We, we criticize, and I have issue with with the doctrine but we often criticize say hey you got jesus on the cross don't you know hey he rose from the dead he's at the right hand of god and we kind of talk like that but in the catholic church the reason they have christ on the cross is this verse right here first corinthians 2 2 that i don't want to know anything apart from you except christ and christ crucified so for all the the arguing and and all that they do have that right It's correct. We should look at Christ and Christ crucified. That's our solution to every problem. This isn't an endorsement on Catholicism or this or that. I just need you to get the the point. That seeing Christ on the cross is an essential thing. Paul preached the cross of Christ. I know he rose from the dead. I know he ascended to the right hand of the Father. (laughs) But when you look at the cross of Christ, you will see the glory of God in all of His majesty. And that's what we're going to look at today. He goes on and he says this, recognizing that there is only one message. In Galatians 6.14, pardon me, he says, He says, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to boast about anything. There's only one thing I can boast in, that God found me and I found the cross. There's only one thing to boast in, the glory of the cross of Jesus Christ. And by this cross, I have been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to me. Now, that's pretty amazing. Uh, That's a mutual deadness. See, I don't think we have that in the church right now. What has happened in the church is we have lost sight of the cross of Jesus Christ. We have lost sight of the glory of it, of the majesty of it, and the singularity of its purpose and function. Paul understood one thing, if we're going to save the world and go into all nations to preach the gospel, there's only one message that can accomplish that. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. His full confidence was in what Christ did for us. He goes goes into them and he says, look, I don't have eloquent speech. I'm not that good of a speaker. I came in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit because of the one message I preach, Christ died for sinners It's the only message that's gonna win a lost world but we're trying to invent new ones we're trying to come up with snappy programs hey if we had better TV shows maybe better jingles maybe if our music was a little more hip maybe if we could do this we could you know kinda sell it that way hey the world really knows how to market we could learn something you don't need to learn nothing from them and I use poor grammar on purpose There was a solution 2,000 years ago that was set forth that will save every human soul throughout all time. Yeah, but is Christianity relevant? The cross is always relevant. Always. Always. Yeah, but these kids nowadays, they're sinners. And so are the old people. And so are the middle-aged. There's one solution to sin. The cross of Jesus Christ. There's no spin to it. Don't put clothes on it. Don't dress it up. There's one solution to the human need. It was found in the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's get back to it, people. And he said that there's a double deadness to it. Consider this, church. He said that the world's been crucified to me. If you come to Christ for salvation, when you come to that cross, what you come to is a death. And in that death, you will find no longer a luster from the world. The world is now dead to you. It's dead. I don't know how, long, how many of you play in cemeteries. But you need to get out of the graveyard. Some of you got one foot in the graveyard and one in the kingdom. Ain't no such thing. That world's dead to you. And here's the other part. And you're dead to the world. They've got no use for you, Christian. They've got no use for you. Look, the only reason you need to get that promotion and get that next higher job, the only other reason you need to get another move up the ladder is so that you will have a stronger platform to preach the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Go into politics. Get elected. God bless you. Become a rock star and get your name and lights and all that only for the name of Jesus Christ, please. You know how many stars are in uh, 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 the media today that started in the church? You know how many people started in the church? You know why? Because they got such a boost up by the congregation. People prayed for them. People loved them. People listened and said, yeah, that was good, when it really wasn't. But they cared for them. They nurtured them, and they got them, and they got the talent, and then they got a break, and then they moved on, and then they moved on, and then they forgot the cross of Christ. I love the story of Mahalia Jackson, who was one of the uh, supreme singers, amazing singer, gospel singer, and, and Mahalia Jackson got offered so many contracts, recording contracts. She, she could have been a, a greater name than Ella Fitzgerald, maybe a greater name than Aretha Franklin. This lady could sing. She was amazing, but she said, I will never compromise my message for the world. She sang to the glory of Jesus Christ. Maybe she was obscure to some folks who don't know that name, but in heaven that name resounds as a song of joy to the King of Kings. Amen? So get your promotion, get your next level, go for what you need to go for, but please only do it for the sake of the cross because really the rest of it is rubbish. Rubbish. And you're dead to it. Oh, would the church be dead to the world. Care for the lost, hunger for the lost, but no longer trapped by the trappings of this world. In fact, John tells us what the world is. He says this, all that the world is is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's what the world has to offer. This is what's so amazing about the cross of Christ, that you can be dead to those temptations. Oh, come on, how many of you want to be dead to those temptations, right? Lust of the eyes, gentlemen. Let it go. Let it go. You're dead to that stuff. You don't need that stuff. God gave you a good wife. What are you looking at? Come on. Pride of life. Really. See, this is where the church has got to get back to the cross because you stick out your chest. Pride of life. You made it. You did it good, right? Not at the cross. There's none none that can glory. No flesh will glory in His presence. There is nothing to do but fall on our face before a holy God. God is holy. And he said that you're dead to the world and the world is dead to you. And the church needs to remember that. That's why we've got to get back to the cross. Paul understood this is the only message that will save a lost world. Now, what we need to do as the church is get back to it. And as I was studying this, I I began to remember the the title of an old hymn. How many of you remember this? When I survey the wondrous cross... It's an old hymn written by Isaac Watts in 1707. Now, I began to consider what he was doing. He was meditating as Paul. When Paul began to meditate about the glories of the cross, Isaac Watts was meditating about Paul meditating about the glory of the cross. And he began to consider when I survey the wondrous cross. Now, how many of you? We're going to see this pretty soon here in Michigan. The surveyors are going to be out real soon, the orange cones are coming. And their surveyors are going to come with their little machines. You ever see those little things? They, they put on bright green or orange coats so they don't get hit. And then they go out and they survey. Do you know what surveying is? When Isaac Watts said, when I survey the wondrous cross, cross what he's talking about is the measuring. Surveyors survey the math, the distance, the height, the width, how far. And, and how wide, how deep. They do the algebra, they do the geometry, they do the math. They begin to calculate. And so what the church has to do, what the church needs to do, if we ever want revival, if we ever want to get our life back in order, if you want to get your marriage right, you want to get your life right, you want to so, know the joy of God again, you got to survey the cross. you got to go back to the cross and begin to measure things up with that thing. Measure your life with that cross. You need to begin surveying it. Listen to what Isaac Watts said. When I surveyed the wondrous cross on which the Prince of God, Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. He's surveying, he's measuring. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in the death of Christ my God all the vain things that charm me most I sacrifice to his blood. He goes on, he says, See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingling down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose such rich a crown? Were the whole realm of the nature mine? That were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life. My all. If I was given everything, it can't compare to Christ. Give me the world. Give me every title. Give me all the money. Rubbish compared to knowing Christ. What does it benefit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Nothing. There is only one gain in this life, and that is the cross of Christ. Everything else, believe me, is rubbish. Everything given to us through Christ is now of value. Everything apart from Him has no value at all. You've got to get this right, folks. Young people, you've got to get this right. I, I speak to you as young people because you're sitting among a crowd of older folks who have been down that path. There's nothing new under the sun. You think you got new music. You think you got new this. You think you got new that. Everybody here had something new, and there's nothing new. These people are trying to get their life back together from all the stupidity that they've lived. And we look at you and say, please do not do this. And there's only one place for all of us to point, only one emblem, only one symbol, only one reference point the cross of Jesus Christ. That is our all and all. It is our everything. Let me read to you a a portion of a statement made by Reverend Leonard Woods. He wrote this in 1850. He was a Puritan preacher. He was focusing and surveying the cross, getting back to that survey of considering calculating his life to the cross, calculating God's glory in it. He said this, the reformation of man's character and heart is to be affected chiefly by the cross of Christ. We must consider what displays the cross made concerning the holiness of God, the justice of God, the grace of God, what aspect it had upon His righteous administration, what representation it made of the sin and ruin of man, the worth and value of a soul and the character of Christ Himself exhibited on that cross, and what relation He stood to sinners when He endured the pains of crucifixion. Everything which manifests the goodness and the authority of God is found in the cross. The excellency of His law, the evil of sin, the beauty of holiness, and the value of eternal blessedness, and the dreadfulness of eternal misery. In short, everything which can lead the sinner to repentance and move the heart to gratitude and love is found in the cross of Christ. That's it! Oh, that the church would turn back. (coughs) We have nothing else to offer. If we would recognize this, I can't love you the way Jesus loves you unless I've been to the cross. Money, valuables, whatever, that's not gonna help you in the in the big picture. You need Jesus. It's just the cross the church has got to get back to doing one good thing. Preach the cross. The reason he pours out his gifts and the anointings and, and the five-fold ministry and all that we're pursuing is so that we would be empowered to preach one message and one message only, the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the ministry that he's given us. There is no greater revelation of God than the cross that's what Paul realized there's no other revelation changed his life he thought he understood Jehovah he thought he understood Yahweh until he saw him at the cross the cross is magnificent it's a demonstration of God's love I want to take through and look at God's character his qualities and his nature and help you understand that there is no revelation of God that is greater than the cross of Jesus Christ first of all it's a demonstration of his love Do you know how much God loved us? God so loved the world. Now, it's nice to say, but God doesn't just uh, speak words. His words become flesh. And His flesh just doesn't minister. It goes all the way to the cross. God so loved us, He gave the Son. And the reason He gave the Son was for one reason. To demonstrate his love for us in this that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. There's no greater greater miracle, no greater manifestation, no greater demonstration of love than the cross of Jesus Christ. Come on. Hey, we just celebrated Passover. Wasn't that a great miracle that God brought Israel out of Egypt 10 plagues can't compare to the majesty and demonstration of His love. That demonstrated His power over the demons of Egypt. Who cares? Of course He's greater than any uh, demon and power and imp that He created. There's something more majestic than that that He wants to demonstrate. What about the miracles of Elijah and Elisha? Wondrous things. Nothing can compare to the demonstration of His love and the miraculous demonstration at this cross. Nothing. There's nothing that can compare. No prophet could speak of anything greater. They all had to prophesy of what was coming. It's the pinnacle of human history. It's the thing we will see and celebrate for all of eternity. For when John turned to see the Lion of the tribe of Judah, he saw the Lamb crucified, slain on the throne. We'll always recognize, always remember, the greatest demonstration of God's love was the cross. Oh, you see, we, we want to see Jesus uh, represent the Father. And remember, Philip asked him, he, he said, Jesus, show us the Father. And, and he said, Philip, how long have I been with you? You don't get this yet. He said, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. This is the Father's heart. John 1.18 says that he came from the bosom. He came right out of the bosom, the heart of Father. And Father put a beating heart into flesh. His logos, his word. He put his word out of his mouth into a human body. And so we see the three years of ministry of Jesus so that we know what the Father does. When the Father sees someone sick, the Father wants to heal him. When the Father sees a leper, the Father wants to cleanse him. When the Father sees someone who's acting religious in his name, he rebukes him. The Father... He demonstrated what the Father does. But the greatest demonstration that Jesus could perform to display the Father's heart was to go to that cross. There is no greater revelation to mankind. It's ugly yet profound, it is hideous. Unto death, but yet glorious unto life. It is a paradox, a dichotomy. All that seems stupid and foolish to the wise and weak to the powerful. But to God it is the wisdom and power of eternal life. There's nothing greater than the cross. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we talking about? Listen, I I love... Apologetics. I study apologetics. I love to have a ready to answer for people. I I love to study atheism. I love to study evolution. I love to study all these things and I want to know them and I want to have answers. I study the scriptures hard. But in the end, all of that is to support one message, one singular, focused, laser message the cross of Jesus Christ. We get caught up. We get caught up in other things, don't we? Oh, the church has got to come back to this. God's calling us back to this laser focus. Listen, this is not only a demonstration of his love that is beyond measure. It's also a demonstration of his justice and holiness. Come on, think about it for a minute. God would not relieve the just punishment of sin even upon his own son. It says in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. you got to look that word up in the Hebrew. I mean, it means to powder. Do you understand the weight of, of what came down? Do you understand what or who crushed Jesus? The justice and holiness of God. Literally pulverized Jesus who knew no sin but became sin for us he was crushed for our iniquities and upon him the chastisement the punishment that brought peace to us was put upon him and by his wounds were healed the holiness of God I want you to know that every sin was paid for there will not be one sin that goes into eternity that will not have been paid for except by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, you may have your sins that may be applied to you if you will come to the cross, if you will not. Sin is so profoundly wicked and evil against God, it is of an eternal measure. So if you do not come to the rescue of the cross to remove your sin and put it on Christ, you will bear the punishment of that sin eternally. Because when you offend an eternal God, Eternal justice is met and measured out. And the weight of that judgment came upon Jesus Christ himself. Every one of your sins was put upon that cross. You know how people say, well, he made it by the skin of his teeth. I'm sorry, there is no skin of the teeth. As if you had something to do to add to that cross of Jesus Christ. You think your good work is going to add some measure to this cross? That you're just going to make it? Do you want to know that everybody who gets into the presence of God is brought there by the righteousness of Jesus Christ? There is no skinnier teeth. You're either saved or you're not saved. And you are in the full majesty and right relationship of God through the free gift of righteousness brought by the grace of God at this cross. This cross gives you liberty and freedom, but it was a high cost. It cost God everything. There isn't one sin that you committed that went under the rug or was missed. Every ounce, every word, every thought, every idea that was an offense to God, Christ paid for it on your behalf. On my behalf. God. So we're not going to make it there by the skin of our teeth. You are either covered by the blood or you're not. Everyone who goes there is in the full righteousness of Jesus Christ. When you get there, you're not going to go, Oh, I made it. You're going to go, Thank you, Jesus. There'll be no flesh that glories in His sight. It is Christ and Christ alone. The work of the cross is a solo act. You cannot add to it. You can't dress it up. You can't say, Look at me. I'm this. There's nothing. Christ and Christ alone. Paul referred to the death of Christ every time he talked about enforcing moral precepts to the people. He said, you need to get your act together. You need to behave, and he would bring up the cross. He said, you need to live a holy life, a sanctified life, and there's only one way to do it. He'd bring up the cross. You need to get along with one another. Stop fighting. Stop bickering. And the only way you can do it is you bring up the cross. You see, you have to go to the cross. Now turn with me to Philippians 2.4, and let me help you understand why. Because the cross is the only remedy for sin. Why are we preaching other things? Hopefully, to round out the message. Philippians 2, verse 4. We'll start at verse 5. He said this, Paul said, Have this mind among yourselves, which is in your which is yours in Christ Jesus. So have this mind which is in Christ Jesus. So this is the mind, this is the understanding. What mind are we supposed to have? The mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ is obedience as a son to the Father, but even more than that, it is a crucified life. Look at this. He said this Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant. At the cross, you empty yourself, you lose your reputation. You know what Jesus' reputation was? He's God. You can't get a better reputation than that. <laughs> he is God. He didn't have to grasp at it. He, he let it go. Why? For his love for the Father. This is the heart of the cross. This is the majesty of the cross. This is the beauty of Christ. When you consider why Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus went into the garden, I'm gonna paraphrase, but this is basically what Jesus said. I would rather endure the cross and suffer this death than offend the will of my Father. How about us? How about us? Do we consider that the next time we sin? Next time we're tempted, we say, I'll endure anything. I won't, I, I, I'll put up with anything as long as I won't offend my Father. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? But you and I both know each other. We feel that prick of the Holy Spirit. We feel that sense, and then we go on and do it anyway. And we say, Gee, I'm sorry, Jesus. And we go to the cross and say, Gee, I'm sorry. We've not surveyed the cross, we've not measured the cross you see knowledge of the cross is to prevent us from even falling into temptation knowledge of the cross is to be so burned on our heart that we would never even dare to let our mind go to that place as to offend our father that's the heart of jesus that's the cross he emptied himself and became a servant to the father oh my word who though he was in the form of god did not count equality with god something to be grasped he made himself nothing taking on the form of a servant Being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You see, death is a place where you die. Listen, folks, you're here because you need help. We want to get our life together. We want to get our act together. So if we figure if we add Jesus, if I go to church on Sunday, add a little Jesus in here, things will go well. That's not the cross. The cross isn't a place you visit. The cross is the place you end your life at. You're done. The cross is a place you come and die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, true discipleship is when the Lord Jesus bids you to come and die. This is the cross. You are to be counted, unified with Christ on the cross. Paul says in the book of Romans <coughs> that we are united with Him In his death, if we want to rise with him in his resurrection. How many of us need help? There's only one remedy for our help. Listen, if you have sin in your life, there's only one remedy the blood of Jesus found at the cross. You have regrets and shame and guilt, there's only one place to cleanse it all it's the cross. It's the only solution, it's the only place that breaks every curse. Yeah, yeah. Are you hounded by the enemy? Is the devil getting the best of you in his demonic force? There's only one place where they're completely disarmed. It's at the cross. You need help in your marriage. Number one marital problem, you. Look at your mate and say you. Now that you've established that, what I mean is You. Self, Self self-life is the enemy of relationships, selfishness, pride, all of it. It all ends at the cross. There's none righteous, no, not one. We've got to stop playing dress up. We've got to stop playing this. This is silly. Everybody in here is ruined. Everybody in here is wrecked. We're all messed up. Psychologically, you're a mess. We're all dysfunctional. There's nobody in here. That's better than anybody else. Can we get this right? Can we get this set? Do you think there's somebody better than you here? There's nobody. When you survey the cross, there's nobody here worthy of any of this. Oh, but you're... No! We're all a mess. But he knew that. And I love the simplicity and genius and beauty of God. He knew that only Christ could endure such punishment and could endure such wrath but being pure and spotless was the only one who could then break the power of death and sin and rise and bring us with him. (laughs) It's Christ and Christ alone. It's the cross and the cross alone. That's our solution. That's our answer. What I need for my marriage is the cross of Christ. What I need for my economy... Listen... Oh, we're in trouble money-wise. Man, we spend money. Why do you think we spend money? Why are we in such a financial problem? Because we don't know how to use it. Well, if I had more. No, you don't know what to use with what you got. But the cross... Oh, come on, Pastor. How's the cross going to help me with my money? Because the cross will dictate what you spend your money on. We don't have the cross surveyed in our heart. Ooh, I think I'd like that. No! Pull it back and consider how you're living your life to the glory of the cross. Do you see what I mean? Everything must be surveyed from the cross, and from the cross is the height of glory. The choices you make, the relationships you make, all of it must be surveyed around the glory of the cross of Jesus Christ. We've got to find our way back there, brothers and sisters. We've got to find our way back. There's no other solution. I thank God for counselors. I thank God for counseling. I thank God for books that help, self-help books. I thank God for medicine and medication. I thank God for all of those things. But they're all temporary. Till you would come to the cross and find all that you need there. It's in Christ and Christ alone. I want to conclude with this, this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something going to ask us as a church to find our way back to the cross thank God for building a building thank God for raising money thank God for all that but compared to Jesus it's rubbish some of you are saying oh then I'm not going to give anymore (laughs) listen in all all honesty and all sincerity I don't care if you do or you don't All I care about is getting you to the cross of Jesus Christ. He'll take care of the rest. Amen. Now, if I can demonstrate for you the power of the cross in your life so that you can begin to understand and so you can begin to surrender yourself, would you take your right hand, lift it up, lift up your right hand now. Put it at a 45 there. And pray this prayer, dear Jesus, Jesus. nail my hand to your cross. cross. Now take that left hand and put it out the same way. Pray this prayer, dear Jesus, Jesus. nail nail this hand to the cross. Now what you'll notice is you can't do a thing. Can't lift anything. Can't move anything. Can't work anything your salvation's on him and him alone. There's nothing you add. Ah, but your feet are loose. You're getting, some of you are getting ready to run. Put your feet together now. Put your feet together and say, Jesus, nail this to the cross. You see what the cross does? It completely disarms us. It completely surrenders us. This is the place of victory. This is the place of glory. This is where resurrection begins. This is where eternal life begins. This is where the deliverance begins for you, for your family, for your marriage, for your future, for your life. It's here at the cross. There's no other place. And this is what we must preach. We must preach the cross and Christ alone. Hallelujah! close with this now I cannot close without giving an opportunity to someone today that if you don't know Jesus if you've never surveyed the cross you've never come, you've been to church, I know that you sang hymns and you learned Bible stories, I know that but that's a far cry from surveying coming to the cross and to be nailed up there with him Oh, you were there when they crucified our Lord. You were there. Your sins were there. I want to give the greatest privilege I can. I want to offer you salvation in the name of Jesus. If you have never given your life to Jesus at the cross, would you stand right now? Would you stand? I, want to offer, I can't wait to give you the blessing of eternal life. If you've never accepted Jesus, would you stand this morning and say, I'm there. I'm there. Amen, sister. I'm there. Praise God.